to another episode of Property and Lending. This is our sixth episode. Today we've got Fadi and Mark with us as always from Power Loans. How are you going, boys? Good, good. Good, how are you going? Good, good. Um, today we we wanted to get an accountant on, but uh, we didn't give him any notice. So yeah. he did message and we'll try and get him on next week. So we decided we'll talk about dual occupancy and, and the, a different, I guess, a different type of property. Um, do you guys want to just kind of explain what a dual occupancy is in the eyes of a bank or in terms of lenders? What does it mean? Does it does it change the way finance works? What is a dual occupancy in terms of from your perspective? You know, Mark, like this one is is dealt with a few scenarios lately with them on there. Um, they're actually pretty annoying when you come to put it through with lenders because um, although they may be two lots on the one title, so like a granny flat at the back or side-by-side duplex one story in Brisbane, which is becoming increasingly popular uh, with our clients, um, what the bank actually does when they come to do a valuation, um, even, if, even if both of them are rented out, what we're finding is a lot of the time the lenders are being so conservative that they'll do a valuation on the property, figure out exactly what the um, rental would be if one family was to rent it out, and that would be the figure we have to apply. Um, so just to give you a bit of an example, I had one recently where um, the purchase price was 800 grand. The rent from the two side-by-side duplex was 820 altogether. Um, When they did the valuation, the rental came up about 650. And on the calculator, we had to use 650. Um, it did still service, so they didn't have an issue. Um, but it's just something um, to keep in mind. They won't use, even if there's already current lease agreements in place for both lots, a lot of the time the lender can't use that total figure and will do a valuation. Um, but in general, what we're talking about with the dual occupancy is when there's two dwellings on the one title. So like I said, it could be a granny flat at the back of a house, could be two side-by-side dwellings, whether it's like a duplex, like semi-detached. Um, or fully detached. There's a there's a lot of them out there, and they're becoming very popular. Yeah. So okay. Is that is that with just with the one lender? The when they take into account the six fifty, like the median price in the area, of like with more with most lenders, you'll find that we're able to use the rental in place or a rental appraisal. Which you yeah. Is. yeah. So yeah, sometimes we can, um, but the issue the issue is when people come to us and they say, "I want to get a pre approval." They don't know at that stage that that's what they're looking at initially. Yeah, so yeah, sometimes correct. we would have gone to a bank that maybe wouldn't look at that way because they didn't specify and they didn't know. Like it's not their fault. Um, yeah. But definitely something to bring up with your broker when you're looking at doing a pre approval if it's something you're considering. Yeah. Yeah. So there, so there are definitely. Uh, lenders that will take into consideration the total rent. Um, otherwise, it's fairly useless, isn't it? <laughs> Purchasing yeah. these properties from a lending perspective. It's so hard, um, yeah, but with, with most lenders, they'll shed off 80% of the rental. So whatever you're receiving per week, they're going to shed 80% like, you know, of the yeah, rental. But yeah, but that, that, yeah, that's going to be 80% regardless of its due occupancy or not, correct? Yeah, yeah. correct. Cool. So do you guys find... I guess obviously from from our perspective, dual occupancies are pretty cool cool properties because they obviously give you that really high rent, um, so you get really high rental re- return. So you know that example you're talking about, Mark, eight hundred thousand purchase, eight twenty rent. You know you're you're looking at over five percent there, which is is quite a high yield. From our perspective, and we're planning a portfolio, you know, high cash flows is great because it 
supposed to mean high, you know, easy serviceability and, and long-term serviceability. From your perspective, when it comes to financing, is it the same? Does it work the same way in terms of servicing? For maybe on top. So if we're looking at building a portfolio and we yeah. were looking at purchasing a dual occupancy um, to gain that really high rent and that yield, does that obviously does that help with future serviceability when it comes to you know your side of things? Yeah, so every time we <clears throat> every time you add whether it's your occupancy or not, when, whenever you add rental income to the servicing, it's always gonna increase it. But it's also gonna take in, into account other expenses that you're adding as well. So you've got new utilities, part of that investment property. Keep in mind as well, when we're looking at the investment property, it's exactly the same as the owner-occupied. We're looking at that buffer rate which each bank has in regards to how much, like for example, your rate may be 2.2%, but they're going to you know, assess it on a rate of 5.49%, for example. So every time we yeah. do you know, add rental income to our income, definitely it definitely does help. But at the same time, we, have to, you know, we always have to remember that's also going to incur some expenses, additional expenses with the new purchase as well. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I think from our perspective, I mean, your occupancies have a have a place uh, in a portfolio. Uh, I don't think we recommend like your occupancies for every single purchase when you're building a portfolio, unless it's a very cash flow heavy strategy. Um, but I think we, we like your occupancy properties or, or high yielding properties in the, of that nature because it does help people not get capped when it comes to to future borrowing. And we see it as a vehicle to be able to get another loan and the bank's not going to be so upset whilst, you know, obviously owning an asset that's quite quite, quite a good asset. Um, yeah. When we're looking at GEOX, I mean, the, the biggest positive is obviously that the cash flow component. Probably the biggest negative, though, is the slower capital growth. And generally, there's slower capital growth associated with a dual occupancy because uh, we know capital growth is associated to emotional values, emotional data. People, uh, prices go up when people want to live there and people don't care what they pay because they've got an emotional attachment to a location. And it could be an emotional attachment because of the schools in the area, uh, you know, close to a beach, amenities, lifestyle factors, whatever it is, their family lives in the area. Now, is that also, uh, obviously, you take into account where you're purchasing as well. So I thought here in dual occupancy in Sydney, like we're seeing with a lot of customers where they're building duplexes in Sydney, just skyrockets through the roof in regards to capital gain. But I guess in other states around the country, um, we're not seeing that much capital growth in regards to them. And why? Is it yeah. just because? Yeah, so 100%. It's definitely like location dependent. So when we're looking at these dual occupancies interstate, they're not so much, a lot of them aren't duplexes as we see in Sydney. So Sydney, dual occupancy, we're thinking duplex or thinking house granny flat. Whereas when we're looking at Brisbane, Adelaide, or you know somewhere else, Brisbane, you actually cannot rent a granny flat. It's it's not legal to do so. Um, unless oh, you really? get a lot of approvals. Yeah, you can't actually build a granny flat to rent it. The granny flat purpose is for family members, and you can't actually rent that I out. Know that. So, yeah, so every state and every area has its own rules. And, and so we get a lot of clients, obviously, from Sydney saying, hey, I want to buy in Brisbane and put a granny flat. Great, yeah. you can't rent it. Um, you can build it, you just can't put anyone in there. Or you can, you can't You can't ask for rent. The The main purpose of a granny flat in Brisbane is for family members and, and to house family members. You can legally do it, but you have to get a lot of approvals. So when we talk dual occupancy in Brisbane, for example, we're usually talking about, you know, two, yeah, usually single level, can be, can be two stories, properties stuck together, similar to a duplex, 
but not, you know, usually one side's bigger than the other. You know, you might have a three-bedroom, two-bathroom in one side, and then the next side is a two-bedroom, one-bathroom. They're usually not exactly the same, whereas duplexes are generally built quite similar. So these assets, interstate, they don't have that emotional, like, I don't look at this one half of a house and think, this is where I want to live for the rest of my life. I'm going to grow a family here. You know, it's close to school, whatever. So the emotional value is not there. And so it tends to grow in terms of capital growth a bit slower. The and I'm guessing problem- that would definitely give it a hit. Now that you've explained that, look, I didn't even know about the granny flat, but that will also, you know, affect the capital gain on that property as well. Because what if an investor, like, I'm just thinking to myself, what if I purchase an investment and I want to rent them both out? I can't rent out the granny flat. Yeah, so so the per- properties with the granny flats, we, we yeah. don't really tend to buy them unless they are approved to be rented out, yeah, and yeah. They're, they're fairly uncommon. But when we're looking at due occupancies, there is a specific kind of property style that we look at in Brisbane, which we've purchased quite a few, um, uh, and and you can do quite well from a cash flow perspective. Renting these pro- renting these properties out generally not hard uh, because there is definitely a use and need for them. The capital growth is obviously much slower, but you are definitely right. It is location dependent because when we look at Sydney, we see duplex prices going up and up and up. And the, I think the major difference is the style that's being built um, yeah. and and what is being built. The actual asset, a duplex, you know, at the end of the day, as well as Sydney, it's so Sydney is so expensive that a duplex is a means to enter the market into a better location as opposed to, you know, spending the same money and having to go 20K, 20K further out west or yeah. southwest compared to where you are looking at that, at that time. Um, so definitely, like, the biggest negative is lack of capital growth or slower capital growth. I won't say lack because it still does go move up with the suburb. It's not like you're going to buy and it's not going to go up, but it's definitely you're buying this property for a, for a cash-heavy um But it is trade. guaranteed rented out. Like you were saying, these, these properties are definitely guaranteed rented out. So if for me, like from my perspective, a strategy where it's purely investment, I'm looking for pure cash flow, it kind of answers all my questions. In regards to the capital gain, that's a different, like, unless I'm looking for capital gain to hold and sell, I guess that's a different strategy as well. Yeah, I mean, from our perspective, and it might be different from like a lender's perspective, but from our perspective, when we're looking to build a portfolio, we want a mixed portfolio. We want properties that are going to go up in value. Um, But we also, and we've been discussing this, I think, about every week almost in terms of servicing. If you buy too many properties that are negative, the bank's going to stop giving you money. You just can't afford to to borrow any more money, right? So we do like to mix it. We, you know, looking at properties that are capital growth strong. Um, and then we look at properties su- such as geoccupancies where you can get great cash flow as well to balance the book. And a lot of the times we're looking at these portfolios, our end strategy is to pay off debt on everything and just live off rent a lot of the time. You know, so if you've got a couple million dollars worth of properties, you know, five, five and a half percent yield across all of them, you're looking at a hundred thousand dollars passive across, yeah. across, you know, the portfolio. And that's a lot of people's goals. And so a lot of the time the strategy could be, have a couple of these cash cows. We call them cash cows because there's so much cash coming from them. And then these properties that have so much capital growth, you might just sell one of those properties, use that money to pay a debt. And then these, these cash flow properties, these due occupancies have a major, major place towards the end of that. But also it does really help when it comes to serviceability uh, in terms of building that portfolio. Yeah. Is there, is there anything that a client needs to be wary of from a lending perspective when they're looking at a geo-occupancy property? 
Um, not really. We just have to provide. So, example, I'm doing one at the moment. We just have to provide two rental appraisals for each property, so each duplex. Um, and as long as, uh, for example, when a real estate agent provides us a rental appraisal, it can be between five fifty to six hundred. They're going to use that five fifty, the minimum one, to be more conservative. Um, when it comes to SMSS, Mark would know as well in regards to purchasing a dual occupancy during uh, through the SMSF. It can be done with you know a limited amount and uh, number of lenders, but with most of them, as Mark can witness, basically like they're not going to touch it for some stupid policy reason. What was it, Mark? The policy? It just they just considered it to be an unacceptable security. But most yeah. were doing it. It was just one or two that weren't. But they yeah. were like predominantly they were they were happy to do it. It was just one or two that were being weird about it. Yeah, because there was two dwellings on the one title. Um, they just didn't accept that. There was just too much risk, too much you know risk for the appetite for two dwellings yeah. on the one title. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mark, Which sounds any... silly because it's more money, but yeah, me and Mark had this conversation the other day, and I got angry. Yeah, um, <laughs> similar, similar. You know what I'm talking about. Um, Mark, are there, are there any lenders that don't like dual occupancy properties? Like in general, like you tell them, oh, we're looking at a dual occupancy and they just won't, they won't lend? If it's in the SMSF, like we're saying, there are some that don't do it and they do deem it as unacceptable securities, even if it has its own mailbox and its own address and all this sort of stuff. Even if it's side by side, doesn't matter. If it's on the same title, they won't do it. But there obviously are solutions that do it. Um, in terms of the normal residential space, if you're purchasing outside of your SMSF, whether it's a trust or your personal name or a company, um, generally everyone will do it if there's two dwellings. But when you start increasing over three dwellings, so even three dwellings, most most lenders do. Uh, when you get to four, five, and it keeps going up from there, then a lot of lenders don't do it when you have to go through private lenders. So a lot of the, like, for example, with the big four, um, like, uh, for example, Westpac, they have Westpac Private Bank, and it deals with specific sort of things like that. And there are other lenders that do the same. So you have to start dealing with more specialized type of lending if there's more than probably three dwellings. When, you, when you're looking at four, there are still some that will do it, but a lot of them will say no. Yeah. Does that start moving into commercial space at that point? Yeah. And there's a lot of um, like tests associated with that. Like I called one the other day. Um, and they have like asset and liquidity tests that they do. It's not like a normal sort of assessment that we would do. Um, so you need to have a minimum amount um, in assets. Um, you need to have a minimum amount liquid. Uh, the rates are slightly different. Um, and the rules in general are different with in terms of LVR and LMI and all that sort of stuff. Um, there are differences. Yeah. I remember we were looking at a block of units for someone a while ago. I think it was six units on the, on the one title. and. Um, and it had to be considered as a commercial property. It wasn't, yeah. 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 Oh. So that's obviously a different ball game completely. <clears throat> the main reason why it gets pushed out to that is because, again, when we go back to the risk capital, when you're purchasing that many properties on, not so much on the one title, it is sub subdivided, but you're increasing that assessment rate for each of those properties. So if you're building more than four or five, your risk appetite goes up by that, you know, that five amount because you've got five properties there. What if something were to go wrong? The bank, the bank sees that as worst case scenario every single time. What if something were to go wrong and we want to sell them and they're all exactly the same or pretty much similar and it doesn't cover the loan amounts? So the reason why it gets pushed out to commercial, like Mark said, there's a lot more 
they look into to make sure that there's a certain amount of surplus left in their account on a monthly basis. They have a certain amount of assets to fall back onto as worst case scenario. There's a lot more testing and higher assessment rates looked at it. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Which um, my mind doesn't make sense. <laughs> because if one... I can even one, guess what you and Mark talked about the other day. Yeah, you definitely know what we're having a talk about. <laughs> it, makes, it gets me angry every time, but that's a topic yeah. for another day. Um, okay, so so in terms of lending, it's still pretty straightforward. You know, if it's one or two, you know, or even three, fairly straightforward. Obviously, uh, from, from building a portfolio perspective, from our perspective, it's got a place in definitely in, in the portfolio. Um, I think for people like with, you know, lower incomes or single incomes, it's, always, it's, it's not a bad way to start chasing the cash flow. Um, obviously, buying these properties only with knowing that the capital growth is quite slow or, can, or slower than a residential property can slow down your, you know, your acquisition phase because you obviously have to save a deposit every time and you can't use equity because it doesn't go up in value. Um, so but I think especially when you're first starting um, or you're towards the end as well, like kind of in, on both sides, it can really have a good place in terms of um, building that portfolio for either immediate serviceability to help you with the next or towards the end of the portfolio to get that cash cow at the end before you pay pay all the debt down. Um, do you guys have any questions regarding Duox? I mean, pretty straightforward, to be yeah. honest. I don't really have any other questions for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> because to be honest, they're just normal as residential. They're just two properties yeah. together, three properties together. And like Mark mentioned before, the only time it does get a little bit more complicated if we're building more with that three or four. But, man, I'm definitely a fan. If you can purchase an investment property with two rental incomes coming in and only start growing from there, whether it's for capital growth or not, I mean, that cash flow really gives you a bit of a kick, like a, a kick start to your portfolio. Yeah. Like yeah. a massive push, yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, I think that's a good short episode. Uh, makes it a bit easier for Mark to edit this. <laughs>